Section forty one of The Life of Mozart, Volume One by Otto Jan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Life of Mozart by Otto Jan, Section forty one, Chapter seventeen, Part three. But apart from all influence of partisanship or gossip, it is quite conceivable that two such diverse natures should exercise a mutual repulsion on each other. Fogler was no doubt an original and striking character. The very fact that his contemporaries were either his enthusiastic admirers or his sworn enemies affords proof of this. He possessed musical talent, intellect and shrewdness, together with much energy of character, so that his attainments were extensive both in the arts and sciences. But these qualities, uncombined with creative genius, could not reach the highest beauty and truth, either in art or science. We find Vogler, therefore, in whom creative genius did not exist, seeking for effect in the technicalities of his art, and as a consequence, in something outside the art itself. He prided himself especially on his program music, which was full of purely sensuous effects, and on his playing, which was crowded with theoretical difficulties. The principal charm in both cases imported from without, not an essential product of the art itself. Vogler was the first to give this direction to musical activity, striving to hide a deficiency in creative power under general cultivation of mind, and, as a necessary result, hampering the natural development of true art. His celebrated pupils, Weber and Meyerbeer, have rendered the same tendency fruitful in consequence to modern music. A consistent endeavor after what is true and beautiful in art presupposes a singleness of mind in the artist which cannot exist with inordinate ambition and a calculating spirit. In truth, the contradictions in Vogler's moral nature, which were remarked even by his adherents, were as striking as those in his artistic nature. If we consider the impression such a man must have made on Mozart, whose creative genius was its own measure and law, penetrating the very essence of his being, and elevating even the drudgery of his profession to the freedom of high art, we can comprehend how he would instinctively recoil from Vogler, and how his own severe education, which had elevated and refined his nature, without injuring his healthy love of truth, would prevent his doing full justice to his rival's merits. There can be no doubt that Mozart's opinion of Vogler, which he took no pains to conceal, gave great offence to the latter. But there is no evidence that he plotted against him, as the father conjectures, nor does Wolfgang himself make any such accusation. Among Vogler's adherents in Mannheim was Peter Winter, 1755 to 1826, who was almost the only friend, that is, the only intimate friend, that Vogler had. His daily offerings to Vogler's vanity were much to be regretted. He objected, however, in after days, to be called Vogler's pupil. He seems to have taken a dislike to Mozart, which the latter had caused to feel very sensibly. The remaining members of the orchestra, however, were only the more attracted to Mozart by the position which he assumed in regard to Vogler. Wendling and Rahm mediated a journey to Paris during Lent, and Ritter, the bassoonist, was to precede them thither. They intended to give concerts together, and Wendling proposed to Wolfgang to accompany them, since such a composer and virtuoso as he would immeasurably strengthen their company. Wolfgang was strongly inclined to consent, and wrote to his father, December 3, 1777. 
if i stay here until lent i shall accompany venling rom the oboist and a very fine one and lotchery the ballet manager to paris herr venling assures me that i shall have no cause to repent it he has been twice in paris has only lately returned and says it is the only place where fame and money can be made you are a man says he who can do anything i will show you how to set about it you must compose operas serious and comic oratorios and everything whoever has written a couple of operas in paris is a made man at once then there are the concerts spirituels and academie des amateurs where you get five louis d'ors for a symphony if you give lessons it is at the rate of three louis d'ors for twelve sonatos trios and quartets are printed by subscription Kennebec and toshi send a great deal of their music to paris venling is a man who understands travelling pray write me your opinion on the subject it seems to me a good idea i shall travel with a man who knows the paris of the present day thoroughly for it has altered very much i should spend little indeed i think not half so much as now for i should only have to pay for myself mamma would remain here and probably stay with the venlings herr ritter who plays the bassoon very well sets out for paris on the twelfth instant ram is a right honest merry fellow of about thirty-five he has travelled much and knows the world well the greatest and best musicians here like and esteem me i am always called herr kappelmeister wolfgang's mother was not opposed to the project she writes to her husband december eleventh seventeen seventy seven about wolfgang and his journey to paris you must consider what is right nowadays paris is the only place to get on herr venling is an honourable man well known to all he has travelled much and has been in paris thirteen times so that he knows it thoroughly our friend herr von grimm is his best friend also and has done much for him so you must decide as you like i shall be ready to agree herr venling has assured me that he would act as wolfgang's father he loves him as his own son and will i am sure take as good care of him as i do you can well imagine that i am adverse to parting from him and if i have to come home alone the long journey will be a great trial to me but what can be done the journey to paris would be more fatiguing and too expensive for one does not spend a fourth part travelling alone if this plan was to be carried out wolfgang must remain at mannheim through the winter his first endeavour therefore was to obtain a situation in the band from the elector and his friends eagerly seconded his efforts holzbauer had taken him soon after his arrival to the manager count savioli november fourth seventeen seventy seven where Kennebich chanced to be present herr holzbauer said to the count in italian that i wished for the honour of playing before his highness the elector i had been here fifteen years before when i was eight years old i was now older and taller and my music had improved also ah said the count that is young somebody or other for whom he mistook me then Kennebich began to speak i pretended not to listen and talked to someone else but i noticed that he spoke very earnestly then the count said to me i hear that you play fairly well on the clavier i made obeisance the elector happened to be holding court at the time and count savioli at once presented wolfgang to the electress who received him very graciously and remembered his being there fifteen years before though she would not have recognized him on november sixth there was a grand state concert at which mozart played a concerto and before the closing symphony a sonata and something out of his head the elector and his wife and all the court were pleased with me 
at the concert every time i played she and the elector came quite near my clavier after the concert cannabich intimated that i might speak to the elector i kissed hands and he said i think it is fifteen years since you were here before yes your highness fifteen years since i had the honour you play remarkably well when i kissed the hand of the princess she said monsieur je vais assurer on ne peut pas jouer mieux the electress informed him that she should like him to play to her alone and they were obliged to remain until the command to do so should arrive some days after count savioli handed him a present a beautiful gold watch ten gold caroli would however have been more useful to him than the watch which was valued at twenty i have now with your permission five watches i have a great mind to have a pocket made on each side and to wear two watches which is the fashion now so that it may not occur to any one to give me another in his father's opinion wolfgang would do wrong to remain in mannheim any longer than necessary unless he had certain prospects of a situation there his good friends could watch over any future interests in his absence and he ought not to lose the opportunity of making himself known in different places and of earning money according to intelligence received from frankfurt there was nothing to be made there but at mayence with the support of the concertmeister george cruiser concerts might be arranged both in private before the enthusiastically musical elector and in the town something too might be made at koblenz out of the elector clemens between whom and the elector wolfgang had sat at table and composed with a pencil in munich when they were returning from england page forty eight nothing could be done in bonn they might return to mannheim after such expeditions as these if there was any prospect of remaining there over the winter paris must only be thought of as a last resource it would be a difficult and risky undertaking to l mozart who was continually revolving schemes in his mind it seemed in no way right that the travellers should have settled themselves so comfortably at mannheim wolfgang finding himself for the first time in a congenial professional atmosphere and in familiar intercourse with cultivated minds was only too ready to hearken when every one said to him where can you go for the winter the season is too bad for travelling stay here and then the prospects which so many good friends opened to him appeared to him in no wise uncertain his mother allowed herself to be led by her son and his friends and was easily persuaded that to stay in mannheim would be most advantageous for wolfgang the elector had ordered mozart to be conducted before his natural children whom he visited for some hours every afternoon taking great interest in their studies mozart who was accompanied by cannabich thus describes the interview november eighth seventeen seventy seven i talked to the elector quite familiarly he is both gracious and good he said to me i hear that you wrote an opera at munich yes your highness i humbly crave your grace it is my greatest wish to write an opera here i pray your highness not to forget me i can write german too god be praised well that may happen he has one son and three daughters the eldest and the young count play the clavier the elector consulted me quite confidentially about his children i spoke quite openly but without blaming their master cannabich was of my opinion too when the elector left he thanked me very politely some days after he went again and played with his whole heart three times at the request of the elector who sat by him motionless a certain professor gave him a subject for a fugue this seemed the surest way to the favor of the elector at cannabich's instigation he tells his father who counted on cannabich's friendship his interest being concerned on his daughter's account he asked count savioli whether the elector would not keep him there during the winter 
and he would engage to give the children lessons. Kennebec promised to propose and support this plan to the elector, but he must wait until after the gala days, and then the best results might be expected. But a thing like this must not be hurried, and patience would be required, as Wolfgang informs his father, and admonishes him not to lose time in speculations, which generally prove useless. In the meantime he had drawn on the banker for 150 gulden, for the host would rather hear the jingle of money than of music. This did not in any way please Wolfgang's father, who delivers a sharp reproof for his thoughtless expression as to the father's speculation being useless. Gerechter Gott, he writes, you tell me not to speculate when I am in debt already on your account, 450 florins, and you think you will put me in good humor by writing all sorts of absurd nonsense. He shows them how little use they have made of their time so far, and scolds them for not announcing their plans beforehand, so that proper preparations could be made. I beg you, my dear Wolfgang, to be more thoughtful, and not to wait to write about things until they are past, otherwise all will go wrong. He points out how they have been living hitherto almost entirely on hope, leaving him to the care of the money which they required. He had not even received the accounts which his dear wife had promised him, and they had drawn money without giving him proper notice. A journey like this is no joke. You have not felt it hitherto. You must have something more serious in your head than nonsense. You have to foresee, to consider, to calculate, or else you will find yourself in a mess without money, and no money means no friends, even if you give lessons a hundred times over, and complete sonatas, and play the fool every night from ten to twelve o'clock. Ask those dear friends of yours for credit. All the jokes will come to an end, and the most jocular countenance will turn grave on a sudden. Hereupon followed a very vague money account from the wife, December eleventh, 1777. My dear husband, you wish to know what we have spent on our journey. We sent you Albert's bill, and the Ausberg one was thirty-eight florins. Wolfgang has told you that we were twenty-four florins short, but he has not included the expenses of the concert, which were sixteen florins, nor the hotel bill, so that when we came to Mannheim we had not more than sixty gulden, and if we had left there in a fortnight there would not have been much over, for travelling costs more, since things have grown so dear. It is not what it was. You would be surprised." The irritated and somewhat despondent tone in which Wolfgang replied to his father's reproaches, November twentieth, seventeen seventy seven, shows that he felt their truth, and that the easy going comfort of his life at Mannheim was disturbed by the first indications of his duty. If you consider the cause of my inaction to be laziness and want of care, then I can do nothing but thank you for your good opinion, and lament from my heart that my father does not know me better. I am not careless, I am only resigned to everything and so can wait with patience and bear all, provided my honour and my good name of Mozart do not suffer. Well, if it must be, it must, but I pray you beforehand not to rejoice or to be sorry before its time, for whatever happens, it is all right if one is healthy. Happiness consists in the imagination. November 29, 1777 But his father was not satisfied with all this moral philosophy, and calmly criticises the saying that happiness consists in imagination as being worthy only of a wild herb. He calls upon his son to realize the situation of being asked to pay and having no money. My dear Wolfgang, that is a saying fit for those who are satisfied with nothing. The negotiations with the elector continued, and Wolfgang sought to enlighten his father concerning Cannabich's intentions and behavior. 
November 29, 1777. In the afternoon, after the first interview with Savioli, I was at Cannabich's, and, as it was by his advice that I had gone to the Count, he asked me whether I had been. I told him all. He said, I should be very glad if you remained with us all winter, but it would be still better if you could take service here altogether. I said, I could wish for nothing better than to be always with you, but I do not see how that is possible. You have two Kappelmeisters already, and I could not consent to come after Vogler. Nor need you, said he. No musician here is under the Kappelmeister, nor even under the manager. The elector could appoint you his chamber composer. Just wait a little. I will speak to the Count about it. The following Thursday was the state concert. When the Count saw me, he apologized for not having spoken, but he said he was waiting for Monday, when the court would be over. I let three days pass, and then, as I heard nothing, I went to inquire. He said, My dear Monsieur Mozart, this was Friday, that is, yesterday. Today the elector went hunting, and I could not possibly ask him, but tomorrow at this time you shall certainly have an answer. End of section 41 Chapter 17, Part 3